Welcome to episode four of the Officers Club. We are back from our holiday hiatus. My name is Andrew Reticchio, and joining me today are... Charlie Gottlieb. And Ian Anthony. Fantastic, fantastic. So, we haven't had our podcast in quite a while, you know, holidays, family, all that stuff. But, I'm sure that was no excuse for you guys not to be gaming, or hobbying, or what have you. What have you guys been up to? Um, Netrunner has been the focus of the last week or so for me i played more days than usual and a new data pack came out so i've been hyped about that i got ian back addicted to it i think yeah i uh <laughs> suffered quite a defeat at a local tournament and that oh, really sort of took yeah that sort of that sort of took the wind out of my sails for a little bit there play a lot of world of tanks went to a dark place <laughs> uh, lost back. yourself in an mmo yeah back and i like to think better than ever so uh, that new data pack was very exciting it's probably i think besides the one that had jackson howard in it the the biggest surprise there's there's a lot of power in that pack. Yeah. like even, everyone got something great even the one with jackson howard was pretty much good because Jackson Howard, not because of other things in it. So oh, yeah. The, but, and across and the he, board. he wasn't spoiled, which was kind of oh, cool. Yeah. And neither was Garot or a few other key cards that are really cool. So is I'm, this is this the one that you guys were talking about last episode? No. There's no. actually been another since then. Yeah. Oh, They wow. come out with one every like month to month and a half. I okay. Think. Okay. It's I think been a long time since we've done our last. Episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it has been a bit. It's even longer than I had realized. What about yeah. you, Andrew? Uh, so I finished my Sons of Medusa for my store, finally. I'm sure you guys are all tired of hearing me talking about that. But oh, now man, I've got, I got fully painted squad of Devastator Centurions, two 10-man tactical squads, the Tech Marine to lead them all, and then a Stalker anti-air tank. I can't help but think that you're going to get all of these beautiful demo models painted and out on the table and day one, some six-year-old is going to come in. <laughs> like, yeah. Toys! Day one. Slamming them together. Day one, they're going to stay in the case. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I have that exact same fear. But they have seen their first battle. They've gotten their first uh, taste of blood over at uh, Joe's house. It was uh, me and Mike. We were both playing Space Marines, and then we played Justin and Tom, who were Heretic Space Marines and Necrons, respectively, and Mike and I just destroyed them. Nice. It was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. So my first battle, 1-0 for the Sons of Medusa, and I'm sure that record is going to plummet <laughs> as, as I play more. But yeah, I'm really happy with how they turned out. I want to do some some weathering on them all, especially the vehicle, but I figured it makes sense if I... Played a couple of games first before yeah. I went back and dirtied them up. They look nice and crisp. They I mean, do look nice and crisp. been following that on the Facebook. Thank you, thank you. So uh, what, your store's are opening soon. That's yeah, it worth is mentioning. 11 days from the day of recording right now. Yes. Yeah. How excited are you? I'm really excited. A little nervous, but yeah, yeah, I'm excited. What kind of events are you guys doing? So the opening day is standard across all the new stores they open. It's called First to the Fight. We've got posters to give out, patches to give out, um, some buttons, and then running throughout the day, there is a conversion contest. We supply the bits, you bring the glue and tools, and then make whatever kind of crazy model you want. We'll vote on it at the end, then you can take it home with you or leave it in the store. It's up to you. Sounds awesome. Yeah. Space Marine painting contest. Once again, running the whole day, we give you the model, you bring your paints, and also there is a scenario challenge for 40K, Fantasy, and 
the Hobbit, all 500 point games and just, you can play up to three games for every system. And so it's kind of like a mini tournament. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to be me and then two other guys from the Games Workshop retail support. And then after Saturday, they leave, shake my hand and say, good luck. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> You're on your own now, kid. Yeah, how, exactly. How do, how do they get the word out in the community leading up to the thing? Facebook mostly, but during the week of setup, we pound the pavement around the shopping center and then we go to like the high school. I think it's pretty close cool. there. You know, things like that. You know, mm-hmm. toss them up on get bulletin them boards. Young. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, that's what we did when we were opening our store. So, yeah, just letting as many people know as possible. I mean, the Facebook page is doing really well. We expect quite a few people to turn up on that first day. Cool. And, and free swag is pretty awesome for, um, for people, especially Games Workshop stuff, because very, very, very rarely does Games Workshop actually yeah. give stuff away. But yeah, so I've, that army is finally done. So now I've just been planning and scheduling and prepping for the store's you know future future events, all that kind of stuff. Just remember, kids, the first bit is free. <laughs> and then, <laughs> yep. they, then they get you. What about you, Charlie? What's going on in the goat? Um, we had our first uh, decent sized war machine event. Hey, hey, hey! Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah, we talked about we, that. Uh, a bit of concern. Yeah, leading up to uh, everyone going back to school, we had uh, well, not everyone, but the few of us are. War Machine players who are in college still. Uh, gotcha. We had an eight-man tournament, which was pretty. That's pretty awesome. Cool. Yeah, that was uh, a new record for us. I made two more four by four table toppers and had them all nice and set up for everyone when they came in. And uh, I think fun was had by all. Nick Brink, our our studio engineer, got to the finals of the thing as one of the newer War Machine players. I was very proud of him. So really, that was a. Uh, Pretty exciting for him and everyone. Uh, yeah, it, it went well, though. I think everyone had a lot of fun. We're going to try and do more regular play and tournaments when we have a few more people in town from the, the out-of-towners. Ian, did you play in it? No, unfortunately. I think he had his wisdom teeth out that yeah. day. Oh. It was, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's what I've been doing. <laughs> week or so, just suffering yeah. quietly. But uh, I got some work done on my Colossal, at least. I'll, I'll have to show that to you, Andrew. Uh, good, good. I, my first experience doing actual pinning for a model mm. that pinning is absolutely necessary for mm-hmm. yeah. uh, broke all my bits. So need to uh, I, I'll, <laughs> reinvest I'll those replacements. I have I have a few more than I need, so I'll, I'll just like give you a bit or two. Pro tip, everyone: don't have your bit extending too far out of your. Uh, out of your pin vice there. Yeah. All right, we'll snap it, off. If you still have the broken ones, you might be able to reuse like the nubs of your broken ones. Like it might be enough. You'd be surprised. It sounds painful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it depends what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. you know, Going on the nub. Reuse the nub of your broken anything. <laughs> um, yeah. So besides like hobbying and tournaments and all that kind of stuff, I you know when I get together with my family around Christmas time and all that, I always try to bring out as many board games as possible because mm-hmm. we're not all six of us aren't normally all together for an extended period of time and we went um to go and visit my brother in vermont so i brought along several games and we played settlers Catan and love letter and king of tokyo sweet and it was just it was a blast i try to keep the games pretty light because not were, everyone, were any of those new to you uh king of tokyo was new my grandma actually got it for me and that game is so <laughs> is much fun, fun. yeah we, we I, I think we sold more of that than almost anything else really 
Yeah, that, that, I think I've sold like 15 copies of King of Tokyo since I opened. That game is so much fun. Yeah, and I really want to get the um, the Power Up expansion pack because it adds evolution cards for yep. your monsters. What is that game about? I don't even know anything about it. Um, it's basically each person is a giant monster attempting to conquer the city of Tokyo. And everyone starts in Tokyo Bay, mm-hmm. and then uh, you can roll to enter Tokyo City. Mm-hmm. And then when you're in Tokyo City... You you damage everyone who is in the bay, uh, and then the people in the bay all try and hit you to get you to to, yeah. to yeah, try uh, uncle and get out of the city. You're playing to twenty points, and it's kind of like King of the Hill. The longer you're in Tokyo City, you just rack up victory points. Yeah. But it's also push your luck because you have these six dice, and you roll them, and you can re-roll any or all dice twice. Yeah, it's like so, Yahtzee rules, yeah. kind of like you're trying to make sets of matching symbols to do either attack or heal yeah. or gain energy for your power attacks and yeah, stuff and it, like it, that. It plays quick. You can teach it to somebody in one round of play and they'll know exactly what's going on. There's like power-ups you can buy, like, you know, giant tentacles and jetpacks and stuff. So when the new and absolutely terrific-looking Godzilla film comes out... Oh, that does look good. Before we go and obviously see the midnight release, we're going to play a bunch of King of Tokyo. Then. Sounds awesome. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I have. I, I don't have a store copy open yet, but we ah, do have. One. We do have the game and both of the expansions in stock, I believe. So there, there's a Halloween themed expansion where there's like a jack o' lantern and uh, costumes for all of the the monsters, and then there's <laughs> pretty cool. The other one has a giant panda or something. Yeah, like that's that. the power up one. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. I uh, I've been enjoying some Android books lately that I picked up at the gaming code. Are those the ones of Fantasy Flight published? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. I, uh, one thing that I, I really like about their Netrunner universe is how unified everything is. Mm-hmm. The board games tie into the card game, ties into the books, ties into yeah. everything is a nice, neat little package. Um, and the, the books are good so far. I, I read Strange Flesh, and I'm partway through uh, the... Gollum or no, so. not Gollum. It's the murder investigation one. I can't remember the name off the sure. top of my head, but uh, it's a it's a good, compelling mystery. It's very uh, Blade Runner. Yeah, I was going to say feeling. Yeah. yeah. Um, and what's really cool, uh, the back page of all of their books. I checked that all on all of them. The goat uh, can be cut out and sent to Fantasy Flight. You fill it out and you send them two dollars, and they'll send you a card. That you can use. Oh, in, that's awesome! In Android, the board game, uh, it's an event card, yeah. and the event is something that has happened in that particular book. Could you that's imagine cool. if Games Workshop and Black Library did something like that? A promotional no, figure you could only get by selling their books. Oh, well, not necessarily a, too amazing. a figure, but. I don't know. Oh, it doesn't become a bad thing just because it's that line or something. No, I I wasn't saying. All I said was a promotional figure. If you send the page in from the back of the book, they'd sell infinite books. You know it. Yeah, yeah, people would (laughs) buy a lot of books if they did something like that. That's a really good idea. I wonder if I could do something like that in my store. You read a lot into my tone of voice when it comes to GW (laughs) things. Um, holiday resolutions as to gaming uh i have one and i would like to ask you guys if you have anything that has come to your mind as a thing um i've started a gaming journal where i track every game i play of everything so i can see how frequently i play one thing versus another um win loss record it's not relevant for all board games because obviously you can't be the winner of uh one out of five in in every board game but when 
something happens, I want to remember fun things that happen. So I basically been like, I made like a Google Doc and I hmm. track every game I play of everything. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it'll give me a better picture of my gaming habits and things that I need to work on over the course of a year as far as like, I'm bad at this game. Maybe I need to figure out how to play that game better when I have like a sample size of 20 games of it and this is my record or whatever. Right. I, somehow, when you said game journal, I imagine it being written in the style of a 14-year-old girl. <laughs> <laughs> someday we'll we'll be over at your place and we'll find it and we'll be you'll be out of the room and it, we'll start reading it, it out it's, loud. It's, it's like in a, his pillowcase. It's like a pink leather bound the like, little yeah, glass right. block. Yeah, has, I, has a heart shaped lock on it. I <laughs> think I like Agricola, but I don't know if it likes me. My game doesn't like anybody. Record is okay. Yeah. Agricola loves me. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah, I've I've yeah. wanted to do something similar, but with um with painting. Mm-hmm. And not so much like what I have painted, but like how I am painting certain figures or how I'm painting certain color schemes because it's really annoying if I've painted something a while ago and then I want to replicate that on yeah. a new unit and I can't remember you mean every model I've painted. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And I can't remember what I did or how I did it. Because my painting skills are nowhere near enough where I can pick up a model and be like, oh, yeah, you achieved that technique with this and this and this. I'd have to have pretty detailed notes of what I did. But going back to a, a game playing journal, that's a really good idea too because I've got some games in my collection that I know for a fact I have not played in like a year. Right. Yeah. So why do I still why do I still have them? Yeah. It could be stuff that I could offload maybe to make room for yeah for new ones. Yeah. I, I what I ended up doing for the format was like each column in this like Excel style document is the game and mm-hmm. then each row in that column is uh, number of times played, record, uh, like notable events that have happened in the game, and then like notable events can obviously go to row one million. You just add new entries in that yeah. in that uh, additional row for each column. And, no, that's really know. cool. Because yeah. especially for you, if people you know ask you about a game. You can then have that as a resource to be like, yeah. oh, yeah, like when I played For this. Sure. Let me consult my yeah. chart. <laughs> well, maybe not that neckbeardy about it, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's just the same thing if someone asks you, how did you, how did you paint those models? Well, uh, that game's okay. I enjoyed it twice, once on December 25th, 2012, <laughs> and once on January 2nd. Uh, every other time. Too so. deep, too deep. <laughs> <laughs> and you've lost Pull the up. sale at, at that point. <laughs> well... I mean, gaming resolutions 2014. We'll revisit this topic in, I don't know, a few months. Is that a nice way of saying you didn't have one? Because I don't have one either. <laughs> no, I was going to do the painting one. Oh, fair enough. Okay. Yeah, I was going to do the painting one. And I want to try to call my collection a little bit of games that I don't play anymore. Don't we all? Don't we all want to do that? Yeah. But if they're not ones that sell for a lot market value, donate them to the collection at the store and borrow the ones that we co-own now because of this. Subtle. <laughs> but we'll, uh, We're trying to grow the board game collection. Yeah, we'll, we'll review this topic in a few months and see if Charlie and I have actually put our money where our mouth is, so to speak. Yep. But right now, let's take a short break, and then we will be back with our next segment. we're back the discussion topic right now is your family yourself and your board games basically <laughs> that was so psa <laughs> basically when you are 
<laughs> when you are sitting around a table with your family members at your holiday gathering of choice, a lot of times you want to do something besides just talk, which is always fun. But if you're anything like me, you want to be more interactive, get something to occupy your mind while you're waiting for your grandma to finish cooking and everything like that. Or your grandma can join the game. That That's cool, too. <laughs> She'll probably kick your ass. Yeah, she probably would. But anyway, what are some games that we know of that work really well introducing to a family setting? So games that play quickly, games that are easy to teach, games that you can jump in and play right away. The absolute first thing that always jumps to my mind is the resistance. Yeah. That's a hands down, that is a phenomenal family game or non non gamer into games game. That yeah, that one that one works very well because it has limited parts. Like mm-hmm. I, I something that I've had come up uh with my family is like you mentioned playtime, like things that are two hours long are probably yeah, out of not gonna fly. out of the range for most uh most family gatherings, but uh the number of fiddly bits is like it must be less than a hundred per person. There cannot yeah. be yeah. uh there cannot be hundreds of moving parts to your game. Like I, I No try, Eclipse. No Yeah, Eclipse. Eclipse, Agricola, like anything where there are like stacks on stacks of resource tokens and and movement parts like you cannot do with family. I think resistance is an excellent call and I've I've played that game with my family before. The only thing that I would caution people against is if there's like deep seated like disagreements between, <laughs> between family the, members. You gotta keep it at the table. The resistance, just for anyone that, that doesn't know, is basically a find the spy card game where find the liar. Secretly, yeah, yeah. Secretly in your group, I think between three and four people are spies that are working against the rest of the group, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh and it's it's up to ten people, which is I another think. plus. Yes, yeah, yeah. And what what's the werewolves of Miller's Hollow or yeah, something? That one, like that one, werewolf. That one actually, you kind of need more, like ten or more people. Well, and that's what I was gonna say. It. That yeah. that one's good because that yeah. one can scale way up, and it's yeah. the same idea. There's a, it, a it, hidden werewolf that you have to find. Right, yep, right. yeah. That one. It was like it's been sold or passed down between people as mafia and yeah. other, and other titles, but mm. where, werewolves of Miller's Hollow is like the current mass production uh, version of it with cards, but basically you're a village full of people uh, between two and six people are special villagers with powers. And between like two and four people are werewolves, which are eating a person a night. Mm-hmm. And then uh, there's ways that these things are hidden from all the other people. And like one person's like the narrator that tells people when to close their eyes and when, and then like, announces who's dead when they wake up and etc so it's a lot of fun like i've i've gotten a group of 22 people playing it at my store once for someone's birthday it was pretty impressive but it's uh yeah it's a lot of fun yeah so games that have you know limited components and are more resistance and werewolf are almost like social deduction games yeah. and it's about like the experience itself my uh my favorite resistance story comes from my friend johanna who is not a gamer in any real capacity but she played that once here and then i believe immediately bought it and then brought it to one of her family gatherings that's awesome that's and why we do this her mother <laughs> for the for the people yeah. her uh her i believe it was her mother was just 
totally playing it like a mom. Like, oh, we're going to send so-and-so out on the mission now. They haven't gotten a chance to do anything yet. <laughs> and like, just and pretending to be clueless about the rules. And then at the very end, she was one of the spies and ended Hustled up, yeah. Gotcha, bitches. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> That's so awesome. So you got to watch out. But, uh, but what else? Mo- moving away from those two. I mean, another classic one that I found that works really well is, you know, Settlers of Catan. Yeah, yeah, it's relatively low on the fiddly bits, but it's still it's still intimidating enough by the number of pieces that you can put off. Yeah, I put it at my the high number of number of components is capped at yeah. If if you go above that, you cannot introduce your cousins to it. Yeah, your casual cousins. But if you've got the expansion pack, you can play with up to six people in a six player game. If the people have any idea what they're doing, won't take that long. Mm -hmm. It'll get done in less than yeah. two hours and i've had a lot of success with that one with my family yeah i i think i've introduced some of my family to it and they they liked it but it the the time limit sometimes goes long but yeah mm-hmm. that is definitely a good gateway game um the another one that i was introduced to recently is the resistance colon coup uh, I've, I've only heard incredible things about this game i think it was kickstarted um but it's coming soon to mass production like we have them on pre-order and we're getting a million copies of them but it's basically it's maximum of six people i think and each person has passed two face down cards which contain uh that the, the cards are various people around some future like noble court of some kind so there's like uh, a, a contessa there's a captain there's a duke that there's i don't know three others like an assassin some other things and basically you go around the table and it's another one of those like social deduction type games. Um, the, each of the various roles has a power which allows them to gather money, um, do something to another person, steal money from another person, uh, kill one of the other person's cards. And when you make a claim that you have something, you don't have to reveal the card you have. So you're like, I'm the captain, I'm taking two money from you. And they can either call bullshit on you if they have like two captain cards in their hand and they think that's very unlikely or various other combinations of like social maneuvering and it's pretty quick to learn super fun like a full round of it takes like 10 to 15 minutes if people are thinking real hard and it's it's really neat like it's a uh, cool art style and like just seems awesome for yeah. a party all the things i've heard about coup is that it's a must play yeah i i've, I've played it mm. a couple times just to be like taught what it was because it was like two of my friends kickstarted it so they had copies of it but it's coming soon and it's awesome i have not played that one so i, I haven't either. yeah that'd be cool yeah, it's pretty awesome. awesome uh formula d yeah is a superlative new gamer game i uh That's about this car one yeah about oh i want to say six-ish months months ago i went to a board game night with some friends and i'd I knew that group wasn't, I mean, they they certainly were gamers, but they played a lot of uh, older games and kind of obscure things and not kind of gamers and in the sense that we think about it. Uh, and I brought Formula D and it, everyone loved it. There was, as soon as that, like that was set up on one of the tables, um, it, it, was, it was, yeah, it was packed and yeah. it never like got picked up until we left. Uh, the nice thing about that is as you it, it's a race car game where as you change gears you roll dice that have higher numbers on them basically and mm-hmm. then you move more spaces that's those are all the rules essentially yeah. uh, you now know how to play um, nice. so even even if they don't like someone isn't grasping it 
tactically necessarily maneuvering around other cars they can at least roll dice that are and gigantic and, and yeah and move it, their car and it, have fun it's fun even if they're not like a high level uh, strategic gamer yeah. in, in their race cars and the ceiling on how high level and strategic you can be in that game is pretty low anyway sure so, that's cool uh it's, yeah, it, it, I, like I always pull that one. I, when I saw it, I liked the way the components looked. Like, the little cars looked pretty awesome for oh, yeah. uh, for little cars that are part of a game. They were surprisingly small. Like mm-hmm. based on the cover, I was like expecting like I don't know a certain scale, and they're very tiny little cars, like a quarter of an inch or something yeah. ridiculous <laughs> like that. But and there's yeah, a look different. There's a Chicago map. You can buy new maps oh, and whatnot, that's and that's awesome. a great way to get people. It's mm-hmm. at least something identifiable oh, on the table. Yeah, it's, Michigan yeah, it's oh, the yeah. loop. It's, that, it's yeah. that touchstone that people can hold on to. It's their little mm-hmm. life preserver, so they don't There's get a, super intimidated. A bridge that's out or raised, and you have to jump it, or you end up in the river. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So that that's a good one. Good suggestion. Without question, the most popular party game I've ever played with anyone has been Anomia. I don't know if you guys have guys. No, heard never of heard of it. Yeah, so tell. this game, it's a very simple card game. You have a deck of cards that have a category, like a fruit or a superpower or um, cause of death, something like that. It has a category on the card. Those were very different yes, things. Those are well listed. Those, wow. are all, those are all three. Those are all three <laughs> ones that are from the game. And then there's a symbol. So like a plus sign or a pound sign or a circle, something like that. On your turn, you simply... Flip a card from the deck in the middle, face up in front of yourself, and just stays there. Then the next person goes. They flip a card, flip a card, flip a card. Just keep going around and around and around. If any two cards get flipped that have a matching symbol, so they both have a green circle on them, then you are at war with that person, and you have to say their category before they say yours. So I'm sitting here next to Ian. Ian has a card that's got a green circle on it, and then it says superpower. On my turn, I flip a card, also has a green circle on it, and it says address. I need to say a superpower before Ian says an address. Oh, that sounds so fun. And whoever says one quicker takes the card. You just put it face down in front of yourself, and then that's a point. And it just keeps going around and around and around. Hmm. And people like go absolutely crazy when you play this game because a card gets flipped, and all of a sudden you realize you're at a battle with someone, and then you can't for the life of you think of a, um, a tree. You just have to name a tree. That's all you have to do. And you're just staring at it. Oh, I, 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 I got nothing. No. And people just screaming. You can play Cadillac. Like oh. 20 people. And then the greatest thing ever is when you play the drinking version where everyone has a shot glass I, I of beer in front of themselves. I was going to say that sounds like an awesome drinking game. You can't speak your category until you if have If you stutter, you shot. have to take a shot. No, you can't say anything until you take your shot. And we played this on Fine. New Year's Eve. And it was amazing. Yeah, that's but that great. without question, that's like the greatest party game of. Reminds me of spoons or something. Yes, or something it's similar. Ends with a big frantic rush and everyone yeah. yelling at each other. But imagine that happens every single turn. No, it's what and you like. can't make me. Well, you have to. <laughs> I that's what Too late. Is. I did. Yeah, no that that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, I think you, I think you guys are right. Card games, low stuff is light. Piece count mm-hmm. things are good. Good, good coffee shop games tend to translate well into good, good family, good non, non-gamer games. Yeah, exactly. And once you start with these really light ones, then you can slowly work your way into heavier stuff. And before you know it, you have converted your entire family mm-hmm. into true gamers. Another good one is Shindig Machine. Which we shall review in our following segment. But right now, let's take a short break and we will be right back. 
And we're back. Our review this episode is actually a two-parter. We have Shindig Machine, immediately followed by Boss Monster. Two card games that we had the pleasure of playing just a few days ago. And as Ian masterfully segued from our previous section, Shindig Machine is a perfect family game, non-gamer game, big group game. Charlie, you know the people that created this game, did the art for this game. Yes. Why don't you give us a little bit, you know, the flavor, the theme of this. Um, Shindig Machine, it, it's basically, it's 108 cards with various uh, pictures, art on them, which are, it, it's just black and white. Like, mm-hmm. there's no grayscale. It, it is... Uh, it's kind of comic book-ish. Yeah. Like, it, they, they're like... They could be things that you'd see in a graphic novel. Yeah, it's a little bit Rorschachy, like the, like some of the things. Like you're not immediately sure what you're seeing, but they all have some kind of actual form in them. Like they're not they're not like pure ink blots. They're they're actual like people or things happening and stuff like that. But they're just uh, the situation of all of the things is not. It doesn't have a context. Yeah. So it the, it's very interesting and uh, just looking at the cards is fun. But uh, basically, the game conta- contains a rule book with many different ways of playing these things, and it's super neat. The art happens to be done by several friends of mine, uh, friends from high school and college, uh, and their significant others, etc. Um, it's three of my friends uh, did the art. One of one of my other friends designed the game, and it's pretty neat. Like it's travesty games, uh, like them on Facebook, etc. But uh, yeah, it uh, it's cool. Does uh, Ian want to talk about the theme of the thing? Uh, uh, or, or Andrew, I don't care. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, I just it, you, you kind of you hit the theme. It, it is it's a deck of cards, and they all have different drawings on them. It yeah, is, call, this is a game in a the loose sense of the term. Not trying to belittle it or anything like that, but it's definitely much more about the experience. Like, there's no yeah. there's not a winner. Yeah, no, you, there's no points in this. Yeah, in the rule book, I think there's eight different ways you can play it. Yeah, maybe more. There's, yeah, there's quite a few. And those are all just suggestions. Even though in the rules it says, oh, you can play this one for three rounds or until everyone has a turn or until whenever you feel like you're done. Well, here, let's let's give an example. So for for example, one, one of the games is uh, one of you is a is running for a public office and everyone has a card of three or a hand of three cards. Mm-hmm. And uh, the person running for public office puts a card down, say it's a picture of a bunch of rats and they say, I'm running for city rat catcher. And then you kind of talk about your fake position that you invented. And then everyone else going around clockwise or whatever wise, loosey goosey, uh, plays a card in front of them. And that card is that picture is some sort of dirt that they have on this on this politician, something, some horrible secret from their past. So if Ian is running for city rat catcher, I'm looking at my hand of cards and I've got one that's got kind of like a scientist looking guy. I can play that and say, as it turns out. The entire rat problem was actually fabricated by Ian himself in his evil lab, and now he's trying to cash in on a problem that he himself created. Exactly, yeah. It just goes around, you come up with more scandals, and then you come up with resolutions for them, and that's just one of the many, many ways you can play it. And then everyone giggles, and you move on to the next round, essentially. And there's enough cards that you don't see too many repeats, and not too many repeats within the same theme. Yeah, I mean, the card art ranges from literally a soldier commanding fire against enormous ants that are ravaging a city, to a surgeon, 
to people that are like jumping out of an airplane to a wizard who's like floating with mystic powers. All sorts of different stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy. No two games of this would ever play the same. Ever. It strikes me as a very good uh, palate cleanser. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's a good game for in between rounds of something a little bit heavier or if you've been playing Twilight Imperium since 9 in the morning and it's right. you know yeah. 2 p.m. the next day. Um, you can whip out Shindig Machine and just sort of turn your brain off and be goofy with everyone. So I, I appreciate it for that. Yeah, it's a really cool party game. One thing, though, I don't know how well this would work for like younger kids only because a lot of the art is literally and thematically like dark. I think we had Charlie, you mentioned that the, the developers of the game said they found it surprising that people, people's stories got so dark. Yeah. That there was something that Gil, one of the, or the designer pointed out was that like a lot of the stories took a dark turn with it. And I like, they basically they didn't mean for it to be as dark as it comes out, but perhaps like the black and white nature of the pictures mm-hmm. and I think that's uh, what it is. the fact that we're I don't know we're adults and we have dirty minds sometimes and things like that like everything turns like creepy or sexual or violent or something. But the like it's uh, maybe that's a Rorschach test. Maybe we're all a little messed up in some way. Well, that's where, I mean. That's an interesting point, because while playing this game, I think you would be kind of hard-pressed to make like a, a light, fluffy story That's about fair. like rainbows and kittens and everything. And yeah. I don't know if you guys have ever played it or heard of the game Dixit, but mm-hmm. it's basically like apples to apples, and you have these really like crazy, beautiful, illustrated cards. In that game, it's about near impossible to describe something that's dark or twisted or evil mm-hmm. and this game is the exact opposite. It's hard to describe stuff that's this, this nice. Is, <laughs> this is Dixit for evil people or something but yeah, exactly but not in a bad way it's like no, it, it, no. It, it like no one's no one's like offended while you're playing it like it's it's just like it lends itself to a little bit darker story yeah it is definitely a storytelling game and it rewards creativity and like thinking on your feet with it's a like, lot of it's the almost cards. like a mind exercise yeah mm-hmm. yeah and it's it, it's definitely like the polar opposite of something like uh a worker placement game or something like that where it it's like it's Limited parts goes well with alcohol. Like, yeah. d- like you don't have to worry about that's any game. Sure, yeah, I, I mean, right. <laughs> <laughs> sa- sa- says uh, says Ian. Yes, but the, there there's certain there's certain games where uh, like drunken people would just be lost or spill things on them, and uh, that this is not one of them. Yeah, I mean, I I would definitely play this one again. It's definitely a good um, icebreaker kind of game. You know, at the beginning or the end of a of a game night when you're just trying to mm-hmm. wind it down or warm up basically. Yeah. So you, you would play it again then Andrew? Yes. Yeah. Charlie. For sure. Yeah. I, I, I think it's, it's worth owning. I think, I think it fills an, a, a niche in many people's uh, game collection. Like you need something that's uh, on the, the lighter side as far as and not saying you don't have to think for the game. Cause like it, it does require a certain amount of thinking to make your cards work for the given scenario, but there's no, it's not, there's no pressure. Yeah, you're not going to get a headache from this game. Yeah. If good is Dunkin' Donuts coffee and bad is ginger ale, this is grape juice. <laughs> All right, I'm going to let that slide for this game and this game alone because this one is so obscure and freeform. So 
Yes, Ian, very, very well yes, played. Yes, that's why I did that. <laughs> Up next, we have Boss Monster, which is a card game that is themed around 8-bit 2D dungeon-crawling video games, something that is basically pulled straight from a Super NES. And in this game, you are taking the control of the monsters, the boss monsters, and not the heroes. You are building a dungeon in front of yourself and then trying to lure the heroes into your dungeon so you can kill them and trap their souls. First player to 10 souls is the winner. Charlie, you want to give us a very quick rundown of the rules on this one? Yeah. Um, Basically, at the beginning of the game, each person starts with a hand of five room cards and two spell cards, and you must choose two of any of those to discard. So you, you discard what you think are the weakest ones, or if you have too many advanced ones that you... Uh, that need a foundation to build upon. You uh, you try and thin your hand a little bit of the stuff you don't feel like you're going to be able to use readily. Um, and then basically you start the game with one room built outside your boss room and you expand out from there. So each room you build expands outward from your boss room, which is you. Um, and you ha- each room, including your boss room, has a treasure symbol which is what uh, decides which classes of adventurers want to come and fight you. So there's, there's little money bags for rogues. There's, uh, there's Ankh symbols for clerics. There's swords for fighters and uh, spell book? book. Yeah. yeah spell books for, uh, for the mages. And uh, there, there's a couple other, there's like ones that don't fit into those categories, like the fool. I'm not sure if there's any others, but basically your goal is to get all of the adventurers to come in your dungeon and die but you have to build enough, uh, you have to find enough damaging rooms to kill whatever adventurers you're luring, or they will uh, defeat you by having more hit points and uh, doing damage to you by traversing your dungeon. Yeah, exactly. Each room that you build deals a certain number of damage. So as heroes come through your room, if a fighter rolls into my dungeon, he's got eight hit points. My rooms, as he passes from one to one to the next, need to deal at least eight points of damage for me to get his soul. And if I don't, if I deal seven or less, then he will deal a wound to me, the boss monster. And if at any point you take five damage, then you're out of the game. Ian, what did you think of the component quality of this one? Uh, I really, really liked all of the art. Uh, The the cards were, uh, they were, they were cards. They weren't, they didn't wow me. They weren't printed necessarily on stock that yeah i think the copy we opened me. actually had like a couple damaged cards in the packaging yeah so it's just like standard unfortunate yeah. yeah but but the art uh which yes. i think is is the real kind of component in this uh is fantastic i love old games i've got a big big collection of nes cartridges uh, the box itself looks like an nes cartridge so everything thematically fit very very well together yeah and uh, a lot of the art they have a a bunch of Easter eggs hidden. There's this one hero, and he's called the Assassin, and he looks like Ezio from Assassin's Creed. Yeah. A lot of the boss the monsters are, you know, just little nods to classic video games. There's a yeah. trap room, I can't remember what it's called, like Mind Hive of some sort, and they look like those alien brain things Metroids. from Metroid. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's, it's cool. The yeah. art is just fantastic. It's not just video game references, too, because there was one thing called the Liger's Den, and it looks like the drawing that Napoleon yeah. Dynamite did of a <laughs> oh, Liger. I didn't even and, notice that yeah, one. Yeah, it's funny. All right, so we like the components. We love the art. The theme is fantastic, but the gameplay itself, how do we feel on that one? I know, Charlie, you had a couple of gripes. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, the game 
suffers to randomness more than most games uh, that involve a randomized deck of cards because you have almost no way to filter or draw more cards in the game. You, yeah. you draw a room tile a turn, and there's a couple things which allow you to uh, draw an additional one, but that requires having the room that lets you draw an additional one or draw additional spell cards. Usually you start with like one to two spell cards at the beginning of the game maximum. Mm -hmm. And then you have, there's like four or five room tiles in the entire game, which get you additional spell cards. And there's like one or two boss monsters that let you get additional spell cards. So it's, uh, if you like happened to me in the games that we played, just happen to draw a hand of all one damage rooms. And then you don't get more advanced rooms that do more damage you might be completely incapable of competing in a given game of a boss monster, which is an unfortunate thing. Like I, like, I like to make decisions which affect the outcome of a game, and there were no decisions I could make in the game, one, the first game we played. Uh, I had zero choices that would allow me to not die. Yeah, I had a similar experience where I had two rooms built in my dungeon, but the rest of my hand was all advanced rooms that you use to upgrade your existing rooms. But I couldn't play any of them because the rooms I had already built did, were not the right type for me to upgrade them. And my next turn, I drew another room card. Oh, look, another advanced one that I can't build. And it happened three turns in a row. Yeah. Luckily, there were no heroes coming to my dungeon. But building your dungeon is like it's fun. It's great. It's a rewarding experience. But there needs to be something that lets you yeah. either get more room cards or maybe if I can't build anything, I could choose to discard my entire hand and then just draw not many cards not, yeah, two cards just something yeah. there yeah i i like the way you put it charlie i think that it that it suffers more from randomness than is supported by it or made better by randomness mm -hmm. because i think uh the term random is is used as a slur in the gaming world yeah. a lot which is almost always not true well, and it's I just uses a slur too too loosely. Yeah, too yeah. too readily because I I like randomness in mm -hmm. a lot of ways. I I like when just like in real life things don't necessarily go according to plan and and, and players adapt, yeah. yes players have to react to changing game states. Randomness yeah. I generally think is a good thing. It's the reason I'm not just playing chess mm -hmm. all the time, and mm -hmm. I I like playing yeah. War Machine and things with dice. Mm -hmm. Um, but I I do agree that there are. You're right. There, if, if there was a mechanic where you could discard to redraw something, something yeah. to mitigate the effects of... Having a hand that's unplayable. Yeah, of bad randomness, basically. Yeah, because you can have yeah. randomness in a, in a game as long as there are options for you as the player to influence it, to mitigate it, to deal with it. Because it's one thing if you are playing a game and, oh, it looks like you got a sure thing. It looks like you're going to win right now. Oh, you had a terrible die roll. Well, that's the breaks. You can bounce yeah. back from that. Mm -hmm. There's a difference between that and I draw one card, can't do anything. I draw one card, still can't do anything. Yeah, you're just being held down by the game, essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think this game, if it came out with like a version 2 or some sort of... They have an expansion coming. Yeah, hopefully the expansion pack could change a lot of these problems, because these yeah. problems are not horrible. Yeah, it's not insurmountable. And it's such I, a I cool feel like, game. I feel like we or people in general could house rule it to just be like, you can discard yeah. your hand to draw two cards. Exactly, yeah. that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I was about to say. Mm -hmm. that, but like, it, having to house rule a game off of its rule book is, isn't the ideal fix for a game that exists. You, no. know? And it, like, yeah. you shouldn't have to make house rules to make a game more playable. But... It still it still nails its theme, and I still like it as a game. Like 
I would play it again. Maybe not for a couple of weeks. Like I'm, I'm kind of annoyed with how the, the two games <laughs> that we salty. played. Yeah, I was like, Are you fucking serious. I can't play a single card out of my hand right now. And uh, and or like I've played all of the cards out of my hand, but I can't kill a six hit a six hit point cleric because I have five one damage rooms and have drawn zero rooms above that. Conversely, though, I was in a pretty tight uh, battle with one of the other players in one yeah. of the games I played, and it was a lot of fun trying yes. to maneuver you and guys had looking. A totally fun interactive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Looking and <laughs> I just wasn't part of it. Looking at his rooms and looking at my rooms and seeing what he was good at attracting and trying to deny those heroes to him. Mm-hmm. So it it can be a very rewarding game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and exactly because on the other side of the coin, what Charlie is talking about, when you have constructed this death machine of a dungeon and in one round you are luring just hero after hero to their ultimate demise yeah like that's awesome and you feel like some sort of evil, evil overlord monster, monster. Yeah. <laughs> and that's really cool nails it but if you're just sitting there doing nothing and the heroes are just rampaging through your dungeon and they eventually slay you you feel horrible yep. not because you lost but because you are completely helpless yeah. The entire time. It's yeah. almost as if this game was instead of just drawing from the middle, if it was like a deck builder and yeah. you were like drafting building, the rooms. Yeah, drafting ah. the rooms. Or if even you went in with your deck of rooms already constructed or something like that. Mm-hmm. Instead of just pulling one card at a time, again, like this could maybe be a house rule. I don't know. Yeah. Hopefully the expansion I, pack fix a, fixes a couple of I things. feel like there could be like with very little tweaky or like very little change to the existing cards for the game. You could turn it into something like DC deck building game or something where you, uh, you have like a lineup of available rooms in the mm-hmm. middle and you like, you have to bid some resource versus the other people to buy a given room that's up, up in the middle or something like that. Oh, you could like, use with, your souls from the heroes you killed to buy new ones. Holy shit. Yes. Like, the, the, mean, like it literally that could work. Yeah. Like I want to make that game now, but obviously this theme is already taken. So like, I, I feel like we could, let's make a SNES boss monster as opposed to an <laughs> NES boss monster. Upgrade. And, yeah. Just like, like, I don't know the, the two, two new mechanics in the game would make it like an A plus game in my opinion right yeah. now it's sitting at like a B minus yeah it's it is kind of disappointing because the theme is so strong and when the heroes die you can just hear like that <laughs> like noise in your mind as they fall to their doom in some yeah. bottomless pit and crushinator yeah exactly and everything is named cool so it's just it's a little disappointing these few shortcomings but yeah and every game up until the two that we played for our playthrough I thoroughly enjoyed the game. Like I had, I had, I had really liked it, and I wanted to like own a copy of it myself and stuff. And well, that's I how I was feeling like, the uh, first time I played it, and then the second time it really left a bad taste in my mouth because I was helpless. Well, I think that that says good things about the packaging. It's a very attractive game. Mm-hmm. You see it on the shelf, and yeah, oh, that's cool. And immediately, yeah, rem- yeah, we've sold we've of- sold a bunch of them. Like the the game is popular, and I know lots of people everywhere like it. I think it was Kickstartered, or it was like an independent release or something. I don't know for sure but like it was hard to get enough of it for a while and now we've got it and uh yeah like i like it i just wish like we said a few things were different so that's your that's your final thoughts on that one yeah yeah and i would would play again phil yeah would play again i need a i need a cool down period from how annoyed i was at those two games but i I will play it again someday yeah i mean i want to be clear that i'm not sitting here trying to just trash talk this game the whole time because i did really enjoy playing it and again the theme is just so cool but when you're playing a game and you feel totally helpless just due to straight up randomness, it's hard to 
enjoy yourself. But I, I, would, I want to play it again, and I mean, that must speak to some goodness of the game. If yeah. You, <laughs> if you had a really bad round, but you want to play it again, you know, it, so I would play it again, but I wouldn't buy it. I would, it, same, samesies, essentially. If, uh, if good is Mythbusters, <laughs> and uh, and bad as days of our lives. This this game's home shopping network. I just don't want to be exactly at exactly is that on that spectrum. <laughs> I, you figure it out. Play right. boss monster and then you'll know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just encouraging our listenership. Was a tautology. It's it's. I'm just encouraging our listeners to play the games for themselves. <laughs> then you'll know exactly what I mean. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, there you have it. Our reviews for Shindig Machine and boss monster thank you all once again for joining us for another episode of the officers club another big thanks to nick brink here in the booth with us making sure thanks, we buddy. sound good coming across the airwaves uh check out our facebook page make sure you download this new episode it'll be up on itunes in just a couple of days good night thank you adios the officers club is brought to you by the clash compound radio Hosted by Ian Anthony, Andrew Verticchio, and Charlie Gottlieb. Music for tonight's program included Take a Chance, Fun in a Battle, and In the Hall of the Mountain King by Kevin McLeod. The Clash Compound studio engineer is Nick Brink.